This Shabbos is a uh, very special Shabbos on many accounts. It's a double Torah portion again, Bahar and B'chokosai. Um It's Shabbos Chazak, as we finish another Chumash in the Torah, the third Chumash, Chumash Vayikra. And we call out together in the Shul, Chazak, Chazak, Venis Chazak, that we should be strengthened. And it's also Shabbos Mavarchim. It's the Shabbos that blesses a new month, and not just any month, but the month of Sivan, where this next week we have the great Yom Tov of Shavuos, where we receive the Torah once again. So definitely a Shabbos with um, many different uh, uh, energies and ideas to think about and to work with and so on. Um, last week we spoke about the ability of a person to uh, experience and to connect to levels and times and people that are perhaps above one's own level. And we talked about the story of the disciple of the Arizal. Um, who was punished because he wasn't connecting to a level beyond that of his own. I want to continue on that theme and relate it to this week's uh, Parsha and another um, beautiful story from the Gemara. This week's Parsha, the second Parsha of this week, is Bichukaisai, uh, which is uh, famous for being one of the areas where the Torah has a section of Toichacha. Toichacha is, is literally translated as rebukes, um, but it's more than rebukes, it's really a section of curses, where Hashem says that if we don't follow the Torah and follow its ways and so on, the various curses that the Torah gives for that. And there are two such sections in the Torah, um, the, the harshest sections in the Torah. One is in this week's Parsha of Bichukaisai, always read in proximity to the Yom Tov of Shavuos, and the other is later in the parsha of Kisavai, towards the end of the Torah, which is always read in the proximity right before Rosh Hashanah. Um, so they're harsh sections, and they're uh, so harsh that we don't actually give someone an aliyah for those uh, sections. Rather, the one reading the Torah, or someone by the bima, just walks up and makes the bracha, but we don't want to call someone up officially for the section that details these harsh curses um, of, of Hashem. That's, that's uh, in the simple reading of the parsha. Um, Hasidus famously explains that any curses that Hashem meets out are only curses in their external form. Um, we have a concept of Ein Ra Yerid Lamaila. Hashem is a loving God and a loving Father and created the world out of love and with a desire to uh, give, give and to be kind and loving to His creations, all of His creations. Um, and therefore, when we see curses, we have to be able to look deeper and understand that it's curses in an external guise. Um, but on a deeper level, they're blessings. Every setback is only a way to grow, and every curse is only a way to bring us and give us something higher. It's just that we're, where we are at right now, we can't appreciate the blessing within those curses. Um, very much like um, a child, a, a parent who has to uh, sometimes be severe with their child out of love for the child, and out of a care for the greater goodness and, and, and better, uh, whether it's health or any other um, care that the parent has for the child, and therefore the parent is being severe. Um, just for the most simple of examples, uh, the child who's crying because the parent doesn't want to give him another candy, and the child feels this is just severity at its worst, um, and really it's an expression of kindness and of love and of care from the parents. Um, and again, the examples for that can be many. In the same idea, we believe that we, we in relation to Hashem, are far less uh, or far further removed than a child from an adult, which is a very uh, 
child from an adult are not that far from each other, it's a couple of years, versus the Creator and His creations. And therefore there are times when Hashem's kindness to us and Hashem's cure and concern to us comes to us only in this way that to us is painful and difficult and feels like a curse. This concept is exhibited in an interesting story in the Gemara. The Gemara talks about Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, again, from the, still from uh, the, the Lagbaim or yard site. And Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai had a son, his great son, Rabbi Lazar. When Lazar was a child, he sent him to get brachas, to be blessed by two of the tzaddikim of the generation. Um, those tzaddikim were Rabbi Yehuda ben Geirim and Rabbi Yehuda son ben Amasai. So Rabbi Shimon sends his son, Lazar, to be blessed by these two tzaddikim. The son, Elazar, comes back home and he says, uh, he says, Father, not only did the Sadiqim not bless me, they actually cursed me. They said things that were curses. Why would you send me to them? Why would they do this to me? Rib Shimon looks at his son and he says, tell me, what did they tell you? And the son gives over the various curses that they told him. And Rib Shimon sat down with his son and was able to explain to him how each one of those curses was really a blessing. It sounded like a curse, um, that's definitely the way it seems when you read it the first time. But Rav Shimon sat down and explained to him the depth and the meaning behind those curses and how really they were a blessing. That's the story. So obviously, the first thing we think about when we read the story is this concept that curses may seem like curses and really be, be, be blessings. And that's what was going on in this story as well. The, there's a question though, which is, if they were blessings, so why did these tzaddikim um, give it in a way that it sounds like curses. And the answer to that goes along the lines that we were discussing because the Rebbe Lazar, the, the, the boy, and these Sadiqim weren't um, able to see them as blessings. In other words, these blessings were from such a level that was beyond the boy and beyond these who were giving the blessing, these Sadiqim to the extent that they couldn't really bring it down in a way that it should be seen as blessings. Rather, they could only say it in a way that's, that comes out as a curse. On the other hand, Reb Shimon, who was on a greater level than them, was able to turn it around. So here we have an interesting concept. We have Reb Lazar, who's the boy, and the people giving him blessings, all of them, they're not able to decipher the blessings. That means they're not able to experience how those curses are blessings. So they're sort of stuck in the curse part of the story. Um, the rabbis, the tzaddikim, they're, they're, they're saying it as curses, the boy is hearing it as curses, because that's where they're at. It takes someone with a greatness or of Shimon Bar Yuchai, who, as we discussed last week, is a person who is, uh, that all of the curses of this world and all of the exiles of this world didn't mean anything to him. Um, he was beyond it all. And he was able to see how these curses are blessings. But furthermore, not only was he able to see it for himself, he was able to decipher it for his son. So that his son, who on his own was at a level that curses are curses and doesn't see the blessings, when he comes to his father, when he sits down with his father, his father is of that level and nature that he's able to decipher for him and he's able to show him and help him experience how these curses are blessings indeed. So here we have again this concept where a person on his own might be on a certain level and therefore not able to reach something beyond himself. And yet when he's connecting to Rav Shimon Bar Yochai, when he's connecting to this great tzaddik who's on a higher level, it's able to bring him up as well to be able to recognize and realize and appreciate things that on his own he would not be able to. 
And the same goes for us, and specifically when we're talking about curses and setbacks, and all of us go through different difficulties, and some more than others. And the Torah tells us that we have to know and we have to believe and we have to feel and and have faith in Hashem, that every setback and every curse is really a divine blessing, is really a gift from Hashem in a way that is difficult for us to experience at the time. But through connecting to Torah and through connecting to the tzaddikim, and particularly tzaddikim like Rav Shimon Bar Yechai, who their greatness is their their involvement in, in the secrets of the Torah, the esoteric parts of the Torah, that, that's the parts of the Torah that reveals the deeper layer and the deeper meaning to things. Through that, even one who on their own is not able to appreciate it, nevertheless can be picked up to be able to appreciate um, and to see things on their deeper level, not only on the level that they're on on their own. I, I want to very quickly, that's one idea, I want to very quickly share another idea that I heard also um, relating still to Rav Shimon Bar Yochai with a, with a, just a quickly a beautiful lesson. Um, the Gemara tells the story that Rav Shimon and his son Rav Lazar spent 12 years in a cave in hiding from the Romans. Um, the Romans had a decree out, a death sentence out for them, um, and they had to hide. And they hid for 12 years in a cave and they subsisted on water and caribs, as the Gemara says. At the end of the 12 years, it says that Eliyahu came and he stood at the door of the cave and he says... Who who know who would know where Reb Shimon is to be able to tell him that the Roman Caesar died already so that he can come out of the cave? And that's when they came out of the cave. Ultimately, they had to go back for another year. But that's the Gemara. So I saw a question, which is, um, Eliano, he comes and is like, as if he's talking to himself, who would know where Reb Shimon is to tell him? Why didn't Eliano just tell him? Why didn't he walk into the cave and tell him the Roman Caesar died? Why did he say it in this form um, of as if he's talking to himself and as if he's just questioning where is Reb Shimon to tell him this piece of information. And the answer that's given in a certain Sefer is that really it wasn't Eliyahu Navi. It was a regular person. And the person knew that the Caesar died and the person knew that Reb Shimon, um, that Reb Shimon was in hiding and he was walking by the front of the cave, Divine Providence, and he, and he said, I wish I would know where Reb Shimon is to tell him the good news. But the problem is the Gemara calls him Eliyahu Navi. So here, this commentator to the Gemara says that when a person is able to be to bear good tidings for another person, when a person is able to help another person, then that person is actually an agent of Eliyahu Navi, whether he knows it or not. And knows Eliyahu Navi is that angel tzaddik who his his mission is to bear us good tidings and to give us good news and to help us out. When we're able to do that, so we're being his hands and legs, so to speak. We're being his emissary. And therefore he is, he lives within us and we are Eliyahu Navi when we're bearing good tidings to another person. And that's how the commentator explains it. That we have that ability to help, when we can help someone and when we can um, help someone in their plight, we become an agent of Eliyahu Navi itself, himself. This connects very interestingly to a story very quickly from the Baal Shem Tov, where it says that one of his disciples asked him numerous times he wants to see Eliyahu Navi. And Vashanta tells him, you know, as it's before Pesach, take money, take food, and go to a certain city and, and see if you can find their lodging for Pesach. So the Talmud, the disciple, does that. He takes money, he takes food, and he goes to the house and he knocks on the first door he sees. Um, and he says, you know, I was wondering if I could stay by you for Pesach. And the, the woman of the home says, we'd love to have you, but we have no money, we have no food, we have nothing ourselves, how can we have guests? So this disciple of Bashanta says, not to worry, I have food and money, not just for myself, but for the entire family. 
He walks in, he gives them whatever he has, and they're so happy, and they set the tables, and he spends the first days of Yom Tov. He comes back to the Baal and he says, uh, Rabbi, I did what you wanted, I, but I didn't get the part about, I, I asked if I could see Eliyahu and Ovi. Baal says, you know what, go back for the second days of Yom Tov. So he does the same thing, he goes back and he goes to the same home, and as he's about to knock on the door, he hears the conversation going on inside the house. And the children are complaining to the mother and says, Mom, we don't have any food, we don't have what we need, it's almost Yom Tov. And the mother says, you know what, Eliyahu Navi came for the first days of Yom Tov, and he brought us food, and he brought us everything that we needed, perhaps Eliyahu Navi will come again. And then the, when the disciple hears it, he knocks on the door, and indeed they take him, and they're happy, and they're so happy, and he overhears them throughout Yom Tov, behind his back, saying that Eliyahu Navi was here again and helped us again. And with that, he received his answer. His response from the Baal Shem Tov, that when a person says, I want to see Eliyahu Navi, the answer is, be Eliyahu Navi. The answer is, be his agent, help another person, bring good tidings to another person in that way, and then you're the Eliyahu Navi for them, and that's, your, that's the way that we have the ability to experience him. Agut and Shabbos.